0: Listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One Jones across midfield. Jones just waiting for somebody. Jones inside the 20 to the 10, and for the fifth time in his career.
1: Patterson in the
0: corner for three to midcourt. That's Mark at the buzzer. It's gone! It's gone! Dramon Mark at the buzzer! They call him a Slammer Jammer.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Pied Slammer Jammer presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, original, I'm on a my name is Andy Yonis, and you can follow me on Twitter at AYonis underscore five. I'm joined by my co-host at Dayon, Dunlap. that, that's at D-A-Y-O-N-D-U-N-L-A-P on Twitter, and for this episode of Pause, Time, and Jamma, we did something unique, where we did a Twitter space on Twitter, try to get more of that active engagement, get direct feedback to you, be on the lookout for more in the future let's get right into it where we talked about the University of Houston men's basketball team and women's team after they both defeated SMU this past weekend here it is thank you for joining the Twitter Spaces we, we come off the heels of the University of Houston men's basketball team defeating the SMU Mustangs 75 to 61 inside of the Fertitta Center it was a dominant performance uh to be quite frank throughout the entire game for Houston um and really a, a, a Houston kind of ate SMU in the paint. Fabian White Jr., Josh Carlton, they had themselves both great games. Fabian White Jr. ended up being the player of the game, and he finished with 21 points. Uh, nine rebounds. Josh Carlton, not too shabby himself. He had 19 points, eight rebounds, and really, I think that's where the game was won for Houston. They were just a more physical team, and and they ate up SMU in the paint, uh, especially yep. both not only in in the offensive department but on rebounds. They out rebounded SMU 49 to 25. Dan, what were your takeaways from Houston's uh, victory over SMU? Just their determination. Um, we know the
1: game plan is always to rebound, rebound, rebound. But I think it was even emphasized tonight because SMU is a smaller team. They don't have a true dominant center. So I think the the, the big guys were really focused on dominating the glass, and they really did this. I think J-Wan came in and gave great energy, as he always does, on the glass. But, I mean, that's definitely um, where he used to make that mark today, on the glass, on defense, playing all on one accord. It was a very impressive
2: win. For sure, and, and and talk a little bit about the performance that you saw from Fabian White and Josh Carlton. Uh, I tweeted this out during the game, but it, it just looked like SMU was too small. They couldn't, they yep. couldn't. They just when it came to man to man, the SMU had no answer. They just could not guard Houston straight up without playing some type of zone, which they did switch it uh, a few times. They were switching between a one three one and a two three zone, but for whatever reason, Houston. Today just was not their day. Uh, honestly, a complete change of the script of that first meeting that they had up in Dallas where SMU caught fire from the three-point uh, on threes. And that second performance would be different. Exactly, and free throws. Yep. I mean, SMU still got to the free-throw line 25 times in this game, but they shot an abysmal four of 21 from three, uh, including 0 for 8 in the first half. Just really, what was the main difference in pre- between this game and that the earlier game in Dallas?
1: I think for offensively
2: for SMU, that was exactly what you just said. They got high
1: from the three-point line, and they got high from the free-throw line. I think they made like at least 20-plus free-throws in, in Dallas, and they struggled today. And So that was the difference. I think Kentry Davis, he played a good second half, wasn't as good in the first half. And I think in spurts, he probably needed to be a little bit more aggressive just to make a play, whether for himself or others. But – I mean, all credit to Houston. I mean, that's normally what you see, how they play after losing. And it was surprising to see them lose back-to-back games, but definitely didn't see them losing twice to SMU in one season. And they paid attention to all the details of what they knew needed to do to win the game. If you look on the quote-unquote others from SMU, Houston pretty much kind of stifled them and did not allow them to have as good as a game like they did in the first matchup in Dallas.
2: Mm -hmm. And really, like you said, uh, for the most part, Kendrick Davis, even though he struggled from shooting uh, the threes, he went all for four from the line. He had uh, about as good of a game as he did in the first outing. He finished with 19 points. Uh, Really, Houston did a good job of being able to limit his playmaking. He only had two assists. He had two turnovers. But in terms of what Kendrick Davis brings to the table, especially from a, a scoring standpoint, uh, Davis got his numbers. And like you said, it was really everyone else that struggled for SMU. Michael Weathers, he was able to get into double digits for SMU. And then th- that's it. Davis and, and Weathers were the only two in double figures. Everyone else really struggled. And, and you look top to, bo- uh, top to bottom in terms of their uh, field goal shooting. They they all struggled. You know, Emmanuel uh, I'm going to end up butchering his last name, but Emmanuel Vandermeer, he went three for 11, uh, Marcus Weathers, he went three for nine, Zach Natal, one for seven, just top to bottom, they really struggled uh, shooting the ball.
1: Exactly, you got to credit Houston, I mean, they I, I, I contested just about every shot, it was really no clean looks, and even Vandermeer in that first half, he got a couple tough shots to fall, but Other than that, Houston was in the right position, contesting the shot, not allowing them to get any clean looks. And then, I mean, offensively, Fabian, I think he did a great job, like he's been doing all season, especially when he has a smaller person on him using his size and what we've seen him do in his first four years of his career. Kind of dominated in that mid-post area and inside along with, his ability to stretch the defense. I mean, really, we can go through the entire Houston um, roster. I feel like everybody kind of played their role and played well today despite whatever numbers they may have had. It it was a total team effort. It really was a culture win. I mean, defensively, rebounding, the shots are going to come from really any given person in any game. But the big fellas, it was their game to shine, and they shine
2: bright. And for our listeners, Johnny, Dan, if either of you want to jump in, want to I'll talk a little bit about the game, feel free to request, and we'll, we'll give you a space. This is a space for you guys to, to speak. Um, Dan, in terms of how Houston defended the ball, especially like you mentioned, this was a lot more of a, of a culture win. That's something that, that we hear so often when it comes to, to Houston. But yep. uh, the, the defense overall, especially when it comes to rebounding, it was a lopsided you know, the entire game, it was completely lopsided. And, and from from my vantage point, it looked like Houston was just a more aggressive team from the start. And every time there was a loose ball, it would seem like you would have three, uh, honestly, at times even four or five Houston players jumping, diving for the loose ball. Ramon Walker, of course, he continues. He seems to be that... that uh, Calvin hasn't said it this season, but yeah, from my vantage point, he's kind of a little bit of the heart and soul of this team in terms of making yeah. those hustle plays, making those culture plays yeah, uh, when he's drawing a big yeah. charge, diving for a loose ball.
1: Yep. Yeah, I would probably like an X-Factor. Yeah. He's like the X-Factor component that comes – and really just does the dirty work and and um you you need players like that that's going to come in and it's not you don't have to draw plays from him. he's going to be ready take the open shot but i definitely what did you see from the point guard matchup cuz you know Kendrick Davis probably is going to win the player of the year in the conference and i just love the way Jamal said. like he a dog the way he matches up and competes um against a matchup like Kendrick Davis and and we, we talked about it in that first matchup where they kind of, when he answered the call, and today I feel like he played really well to counterpart Kendrick Davis. What do you think about the point guard matchup?
2: Yeah, I think Jamal Shedd did it, did, did, he played as well as he did for what was needed in today's game. I mean, he ended up, uh, when it comes to, to scoring wise, he still ended up getting a double double, uh, 10 points. He did a good job of being able to, to take what the defense was giving him, but I think really uh, where he, uh, it was clearly better than and Kendrick Davis was in the playmaking Ooh, department. Yeah. He finished with eleven assists. He had yes. seven of those in the first half, and really he made it. He made it a lot easier for for yep. Fabian White, Josh Carlton, and even Jaywan yep. Roberts. He, he, some of his passes where he he did a real good job of being able to get into the paint, get into the lane, and just finding them off. Uh, literally open wide to the basket. And that's where they they ate up SMU early on. And that's where they were honestly able to build up that lead because SMU had to to call timeout and change their defense after they saw how Jamal Shed was was honestly just torturing torching eating them up in the paint. They were doing; he was getting whatever he wanted for his base. Yeah, his
1: explosiveness, along with his strength and his ability an athletic ability to get inside, penetrate, draw the extra defender, but still be strong enough and athletic enough to make the pass, whether it's to the rolling big man or to the short corner for open threes. He really, really dominated that first half and kind of kind of set the tone offensively um, for Houston, I feel like, because he, he was that driving force in, in times that made plays for others and sometimes for himself. I loved he got those two steals early in the game, and one of them led to a dunk. And he really just set the tone. I think um, he, he's he's special, man. I,
2: I really love his game for sure. And and once again, he'd like to mention to Johnny Dan uh, Runkle. I can't see your full name off the uh, Runkle eighty seven. If you guys have any comments, if you guys would like to join in the conversation, feel free to request. As I muted myself, so feel free to request to be a speaker. We'd love to hear uh, your post-game reaction after Houston defeated SMU. Once again, the final score, 75-61 inside the Fertitta Center. Uh, we'd love to see if you guys were out at the game. It was a great atmosphere. Uh, It was the the blackout game for the University of Houston, and this was probably up there with that Memphis game in terms of atmosphere and obviously a a much better outcome for the University of Houston in terms of final score. Uh, Real quickly, before we we kind of uh, segue, we're also going to talk about the women's team who on their senior night also, quite frankly, had a dominant performance against the SMU women's basketball team. Uh, We'll take a look at the American Athletic Conference for the men's side first, and with the win, Houston is one. Their magic numbers one, they're one game away from clinching they're the number one seed in the American Athletic Conference tournament and of course the regular season championship in the American Athletic Conference. They sit at 13 and two conference wise. They are two games ahead of both SMU and Memphis who both have 11 wins. SMU at 11 and four Memphis at 11 and five. Houston has three games left. they start they play Cincinnati on Tuesday then Temple on Thursday, and then they finish up the regular season at Memphis. That's going to be an early one at 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. How about those next three games?
1: It's three games in six days, and we talked about with their lack of depth and how fatigue and how short turnarounds could affect them. I mean, what's your expectation over these next two games? Do you do you think someone, they may have slipped in a game, or you feel like they, they kind of stay with this momentum that they have and kind of close out the season?
2: on with all three wins. Ooh, that, that's going to be a tough task uh, for them to be able to finish three and all, but I, I think really you're going to see the turnaround. I think Cincinnati, uh, Houston went up there. They were able to build a huge lead. Cincinnati rallied uh, a little bit, and then Houston was able to put it away at the end, at the beginning of the second half. The Bearcats made that run at the end of the first half. They made it a game. Uh, that That's a quick turnaround. Honestly, about a 48 48 hour 48 hour 60 hour turnaround and then they're going to have to turn around and play Temple right again that's going to be tough on their bodies and then uh, they only need one to clinch the American Athletic Conference Championship. I think the tough thing about this is going to be that that final game in the regular season. Obviously, you at know Memphis, the bad yeah. blood at Memphis. How motivated that the Tigers are always. Every time they play Houston, they have that game circled. And they made no, they made no, um, they didn't try to hide a, uh, Penny Hardaway after they beat Houston at Fratita Center. He mentioned how the, his team was prepared. Uh, I think they played two lane before they had to play Houston in the, in the practice before. They were already getting psyched. They were getting ready for Houston. I think that's going to be the real tough one uh, in terms of trying to be able to sweep. That's why I think it'll be difficult, and especially once you get to Temple. Memphis. Temple played Memphis real uh, close at, in the first half earlier in the week, so they're, they're not gimme games. No, there's no gimme games in the schedule, especially when you yeah. consider um, how they're playing for the most part. They're playing an eight-man rotation, and you know shooters. Tyler Edward had a, a decent shooting, night, uh, a shooting day today against SMU Uh, his legs might get tired so they're going to have to rely again on Josh Carlton, Fabian White uh, and their bigs Jamal to be able to set them up now um, I think that last game at memphis is going to be the last opportunity for houston to be able to get a quad one win which they still have not been able to do for most of this season for the entire season uh, up to this point they're only three in quad one wins so that even though they if they clinch the american athletic conference tournament seating wise uh once they get into the ncaa tournament that's going to matter and that's going to be something that they, they, it would need to, to help build their resume and get a higher seat but I think once they clinch the the first place in the American Athletic Conference, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe, uh, not necessarily rest players, but the the rotation starts to get a little bit, uh, you know, you start seeing more guys in, especially in maybe potentially Temple or or one of those games, but I I could see either or. But certainly that game against Memphis, it would be a big one, not just for rivalry's sake, but also the quad one opportunity. Yeah, I,
1: I agree with the same. I think that, that Memphis game is going to be the tough one. We know Coach Sanford's going to lock in and go game by game. I think they're going to be ready for Cincinnati. Um, but I, I agree that that Memphis game, especially with the way that they're playing, like just playing together with their full team, Williams back, Nolly, Durant dominating the paint, uh, Keonez. Their entire team is playing really well. So that I think that is going to be one of the toughest ones. But I, I think they're going to be prepared it's going to be a dogfight. Houston uh, definitely isn't just going to lay down and and try. Uh, I don't know if they may may sit, but the way Coach Simpson, I think he has the bigger pitch and realize how big of these wins are as far as NCAA tournament seating. So, I think not only is he fighting for, um, I know you said one game away before the lockup for the the conference tournament, but I think if you listen to his press conference, he always bigs up. The other teams whom they beat in the season, like right. like um, even Wisconsin, know they lost to Wisconsin, but when when Wisconsin has big wins, he talks about how good of a team Wisconsin is, or Oregon loses or Oregon wins, he he, he kind of always in his back of his mind foresees the future and knows how important it is for the NCAA tournament. And so, but I just love this team, man, and we, we saw that um, I saw that James Mueller, the writer for. Um, The Cougar tweeted that Marcus Mm -hmm. isn't – he didn't have a boot on today. And so, who knows the way the ball may fly. If if they can get Marcus back in the future, man, who, who knows. But I definitely like this team.
2: Yeah, for sure. And real quickly, uh, we have a couple more listeners that have tuned in. Cougar S, Atlas, uh, Calvin, if you guys are interested in, in having any post-game reaction, if you'd like to share your thoughts, feel free to request and we'll, we'll put you in. We want to hear from you guys. There's a space for you guys to be able to, to conversate with us. It's a conversation. We don't want to you know, kind of hog all the dialogue. But like you mentioned, Dayon, uh, that's something to monitor. And uh, I don't know if you want to put it out there, but it's something we both heard – Potentially, I'll, I'll caveat it with this. This is, this is just a rumor, and it is small. Uh, from what I've heard, what I've been told, it's a small chance. Like you mentioned, a report from James Mueller uh, from the Daily Cougar at JDM 2186. He tweeted out that Marcus Sasser is no longer wearing his walking boot. He was uh, out there with Ramon Mark and pregame pre-game warm-up, Simon Tremont Mark were on the other basket from where the University of Houston was warming up and they were they were kind of messing around, shooting around, uh kind of just, you know, be doing their own thing while SMU came out. And uh, that there, there's a small chance, and I want to caveat it with small that Marcus Sasser has been aiming to get back in time for the American Athletic Conference tournament. Now we're not saying that's gonna happen. It was just something we've heard. And uh, like James reported at JDM 2186, he is no longer in a walking boot. So I think that's that's something that that should be to keep an eye on. And at the very least, it it certainly seems like Marcus Sassler's progress has been uh, much better than expected in in terms of the original timetable that they had whenever he, it was right after, during that Christmas week that he suffered that injury that he needed a surgery on. So we'll, we'll just put that there. And once again, any one of our listeners if you guys want to join the conversation feel free to request and we'll put you through down uh any final thoughts on the men's team before we kind of segue into the women's real quick I mean this just picking back up on the this if we
1: are, just hypothetically speaking if he is to come back what what I mean how, well we know he fits well with the team but I feel like Earlier on in the season, he he carried a burden like I, I, I have to score at least 15, 17, even 20. But now that he's missed time and if he does come back, I think not only we know he's a prolific scorer, but I don't know if he will have to have that same burden knowing that the team was able to hold down the fort and win without him. So I guess my question is, how would you see him being inserted back into the lineup? Do you think they could bring him, would bring him off the bench? Do you insert him back into his starting role? Or how would you see it?
2: Yeah, to be honest, I, th- I feel like, you know, early on in the season, especially while uh, his injury kind of forced Jamal Shirt to have to be the, the, the only player I remember at the beginning of the season, it was kind of trying to be shared between Marcus Sasser and – uh, Jamal Shed kind of to share the load. I think if he were to come back, it would be a good opportunity for a to kind of have a similar role that that he had last season where you know, Dejan was the point guard. Dejan ran the offense. Now that's Jamal Shed that has that role. And... You know, if Marcus Sasser were to come back, Houston doesn't necessarily have to have Marcus Sasser do everything. It'd be a much more comfortable role where really his main yep. focus would be on just being able to, to shoot threes and, and space the floor. That would be his number one priority, in, in my opinion, if he were to come yep. back this season. Yep, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah,
1: and like Andy just repeated, man, if you know you guys have any thoughts, you want you want to chime in, give some idea. I mean, give your thoughts. Um, about the game, post-game, the season. I mean, requesting, we definitely don't mind hearing from you guys.
2: Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo
0: HOU. All Houston. All original. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo H-O-U, all Houston, all original.
2: And on that note, we will transition over to the women's basketball team who, similar to the men's, they played SMU. They played them on Saturday. It was their senior night, and they completely uh, dominated the women's the women's SMU team, winning the game sixty five to thirty six. Day on, you were doing the game for ESPN plus, and uh, to me in that game, it was uh, the University of Houston women's basketball team was able to get back to their bread and butter in terms of, and we've mentioned for the season they've had some offensive struggles against like SMU. They just flat out. Suffocated them with their defense, yep. and they had the tenacity. They, they to me from my vantage point, it just seemed like they wanted that game more. Especially after you go back a year ago to so the senior night against Cincinnati, Cincinnati. they had Cincinnati. Just yep. defeated USF. That was a, a big game. They're throwing a mm-hmm. the top twenty five team, and they turn around, they have senior night and they drop the game to Cincinnati, which ultimately ends up costing an, an NCAA tournament bid. Uh, this a completely different uh, story this time around on Saturday against SMU it definitely was it was kind of like what we saw with the men's as far as how
1: dominating defensively that they were they were and they really controlled their game the entire way de- defensively they limited SMU to their um lowest point total all season but offensively these last two games the way that they played it's probably the best consecutive games back to back that I've seen Houston play against Temple, then against SMU and really just the way they're playing together, free flowing basketball, they're getting out in transition, they move into basketball and their depth really shows up a lot because like we talked about in the last episode in which you can't just key on Layla and be like, if we stop Layla, we can beat Houston. Cause against SMU, she, I, I believe finished with six points and, didn't have her best game, but in the game before that, oh my goodness she was just special. She had eighteen points on nine total shots, and their entire team was just efficient and I think they're they're playing their best ball at the right time Man, we we talked about how they can go on the road because this this conference it, it's been a lot of pair they pretty much competed with everybody I should have beat u c f who won the the conference non, the title already. They yeah. probably should have beat them twice, especially the first time in Orlando with UCF pulled away in the second half in Houston. And South Florida kind of dominated the their first matchup in Houston. But the team is playing really well now. They really play their best when they move into basketball. They're free-flowing and on defense. They're all communicating, being aggressive and pressuring the basketball. And I really think if they can take care of this business their last couple games, they'll go into the tournament hide And I don't think anybody would want to see them
2: for sure and, and uh, i wanted to bring back another point that you said for the most part uh you know we when whenever they had the six game skid and i'll be the first to say we we were kind of critical of of the coaching stuff after what had happened in terms of you know they had before the season even started they set out that their goal was to make it to the ncaa tournament that was mm-hmm. that was their model unfinished business uh and you mentioned that close loss in orlando to ucf it seemed like uh, when that first happened, we, we did a podcast and we said that, honestly, it could be a turning point for the positive where they see that they're right there. They're on the cusp of being able to beat the, the, the team to beat in the American. And it, it just went completely the other way where they, they just were not able to recover from that loss and losing six in a row, including to teams like Temple and 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 Cincinnati. They ended up losing by 15. But kudos to the team, to the coaching staff. Because uh, they they've been able to turn around and not let the season just continue to spiral out of control. They clawed their way back, and since that game, since that losing streak, I believe they've won five of their last seven. Uh, and yep. and really, th- those two losses came uh, to UCF and to Tulane, who well, you know, obviously won nine lived, straight. Exactly. obviously UCS is the number one team in the American Athletic Conference this year and, and two lanes it's always been one of those top four teams historically wise in the conference as well. Now obviously they only have one game left in the regular season before they turn around and head to the conference tournament, which would start it literally uh, a week from Monday is when the American Athletic Conference tournament starts, uh, depending on well, I guess it could start a little later depending on seating in Houston if they get that, that first round uh bye. But uh what did you see from, from that win against SMU? Like I said, I think their defense was the, completely different in terms of just uh, the historically Ron Hughes' team. They love to press and they love to, to push the tempo. They they love to run up and down the court. They want to get downhill. And I, it, against SMU, they were able to do that. Uh, what did you see from your perspective?
1: Um, I saw just that. Before, before I get to that, but back to your point before that about the coaching staff and this team, staying resilient, staying together, not giving up and just letting the season just down respond and kind of just putting their heads down. I mean, got a huge, huge shout-out to Coach Who and his entire coaching staff. That's, um Coach Todd Diller, Coach Lassandra Baird, and Coach Parker. I mean, I think they did a great job of turning around. And during that six-game losing streak, they had a couple injuries, had people have some COVID. So, it was things going on which led to that. But the way this team is responded and the way they bounced back, I mean, you got to give a huge shout-out to the coaching staff and the players, that leaders, staying together, Julia Black, Fair, um, the entire team. And so huge shout-out to them. And then that last game, I mean, like you said, his teams always compete hard on the defensive end with that pressure. And Whether it was their 55 press where they pick you up 94 feet or it was just simply just man-to-man guarding you full court, they pressured the basketball really well and they was able to speed up SMU and not allow them to get in any rhythm. And basketball, it's about rhythm, getting – playing in your rhythm and disrupting the team's rhythm. And Houston's really able to do that, and especially in the offensive end. And that's where they've struggled. And they have, of course, set often in the time the ball would just stick and they don't get ball moving or player moving and execution. But it hasn't been like that. And Tierra Young, this last two games, she missed two before coming back in the last two games, and she's really, really been balling. If she can continue hooping the way she is – and you know Layla's gonna bring it whether she's scoring double digits or just impacting the game. And that's been the next step for her. Even if she doesn't have a high number of points, I think that could be deceiving as far as how good she plays because now she's still able to impact whether she gets the assist or get the hockey assist. She's rebounding, she's getting to the free throw line, she's making a lot of winning plays and the way they, they dealt it set up, Tatiana Hills being in foul trouble last games, but they got big like Fatou Dion, Jasmine Lewis has played well. But Cam Jones has really, really, really come into her own. And uh, I, I really like her game. Defensively, she's probably a lot like Ramon Walker in the sense of some of you guys who watch most of the men's but haven't seen the women's. She's a lot like Ramon in the sense. She does – that dirty work, drawing charges, diving on the floor, block shots, deflections, all those things that lead to win. But not only that, on the offensive end, her confidence is just through the roof. She's knocking down that mid-range shot at regularity, and she isn't hesitating. She has confidence, and with her coming off the bench and Tierra playing as well as she is, Brea Patterson is now playing more consistently. I mean, uh, this is what I expected from being out the entire season. And so if they continue to gel and put it all together right now, I mean, it is a chance for them to to go out and win the conference tournament and eventually make it to the NCAA. But I think that's the chance that they have, only chance that
2: they have. And I definitely think they can do it because they have all the right pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, one final call to listeners. If you want to join the conversation you have any comments post-game, whether it be on the women's basketball team, the men's basketball team, both defeated the respective SMU teams over the weekend. Uh, on one one point that I wanted to point out that you guys mentioned on the ESPN Plus broadcast, which, which caught my attention. I, I didn't know about this until you guys mentioned it, but uh, Brittany Onyeje, who had a good game yeah. uh, this past Saturday against SMU, she had 17 points. And it seems like she's gonna come back for next season uh, yeah. on the women's basketball team. That that to me, that's huge. Obviously, this that's season huge. she's been right up there with Layla Blair in terms of uh, leading the charge scoring wise. Most often than not, especially against UCF, she she always seems to bring her best performance for that game. Uh, how big is that, that that she's already kind of listed off as that she will return next season? Oh man, it's not enough words for me to me
1: describe how much how big that is for that team. Her impact on this entire season, like we we know that she's a shooter, and it's rare for me that you see a player get better at every single aspect of their game after a season. And I can honestly say that she has. She's putting in the work, and she got better at every single aspect. Last year, she shot around twenty eight percent from three. This year, she's shooting in the, in the and around thirty six, thirty seven percent. And not only that, her shot selection is a lot better. She isn't rushing any shots. She's taking better shots, and she's knocking them down. And not only that, she isn't just a spot-up shooter. Now she's taking it to the next step when they're trying to run her off the three-point line. She can put it on the floor, create for herself, whether it's getting all the way to the basket or knocking down her mid-range shot. But defensively, I think she probably could win the, the defensive Player of the year in the conference. But the way she's been able to defend and lock down defenders, she really jump-started the last game against SMU on the defensive end, just getting into them, getting the steals, getting out in transition. There was a scene where she had like back to back steals, which both led to layups. And man, she's special. I think with her coming back, Tatiana Hill is also a senior, but she's using that extra COVID year to come back. So with those two pieces coming back for another season, I think Houston, um, I think it's going to bode well for their, their program for sure.
2: And one final note: we once again we end the regular season. Uh, it, it looks like Houston. They're going to play USF. Obviously, that that the last time they played USF at Fertitta Center did not go well for Houston in terms of an, an abysmal offensive performance. They were just able to put up 35 points. What really, obviously, that besides making it a closer game up in Florida, what, what's really going to be the big difference for uh, the University of Houston women's basketball team to be able to carry that momentum? Like you said, for the most part, uh, outside of that that USF game and. And in most conference games, they've been with the team. So as they head into the conference tournament, really probably their only chance of being able to make the NCAA tournament is going to be to win the conference tournament outright. What what does Houston need to do to continue that momentum going forward, starting with Wednesday at USF?
1: First things first is take care of the basketball. They, they can't turn the ball over, and then they must turn over the opposing team. They average, Their opponents average 18 t- turnovers against Houston, and uh, – 10 of those come off of steel. so that's number one. Stay true to your identity on defensively, but on offense, just play together. Move the basketball, play together where it's a half court, full court, because you can't just on one person, and if they do that, I-, I like their chances. I know, um LeGrand what's up, Nuke? just joined the conversation. I know you, mi- you missed a lot of the talk earlier, but before we talked we we talked about the men, so if you want to hop in, you watched, the, you watched that men's game. and want to tell us what you saw? If you saw the women's game, man. Definitely feel free to hop in. Give us your perspective,
0: especially as a coach. I know you who. Man, first of all, shout out to y'all for a, a heck of a show that you know, y'all been doing for these past few years, man. Uh, just dropping that basketball knowledge and finally being able to hear an unbiased perspective of Houston basketball. So, shout out to y'all boys, man, for doing that. Uh, I did watch the game. I was kind of in and out, but... You know, I did definitely catch that second half, and I'm just going to say this. If you're any kind of enthusiast of basketball or fundamentals of basketball, if you're a, a young player, old player, a coach at any level, you got to appreciate the rebounding job that Houston did. Um, I think ESPN – I forgot who was announcing the game, but one of the announcers uh, reeled off a stat saying, what was it, 15 rebounds, 14 rebounds in a row that Houston got? And I mean, if you're a lover of basketball, man, you just got to be able to appreciate that. Um, I definitely think that was an X factor. So you know, of course, not only seeing my alma mater be able to get the W, but just the way they did it. And yes, as a coach, I could greatly appreciate Houston and just that blue collar uh, identity that they have. You know, that's going to take them. You know, that's going to take them pretty far in the tournament as it did last year. So. um you know, that's that's really the main thing I got to say about just what I observed today and being able to get that revenge win against SMU. Of course, if it's a revenge game, there's going to be, you know, some kind of chip on your shoulder. You're going to feel some type of weight going out there. So just being able to see, you know, Houston rebound, literally uh, rebound from, um, you know, the first matchup against SMU and showing that, you know, they're tournament ready. Yeah. Um, I can get, definitely just appreciate that. From, from your
1: perspective, I mean, as a coach, what, what do you feel like makes Coach Sampson as great of a coach he is? Because you lost um, probably your top two guards, especially your number one scorer with Marcus, and then you lose your probably your best playmaker, which Coach Sampson said in Tremont, and he's still having a season that he his team is having. What, what, what do you feel like makes him so great?
0: One word, culture. Just because uh, it's a next-man-up mentality over there. You, call, you know, of course, you know, we wish him well and speedy recoveries and quick returns, but you know, when you have an injury like that, uh just like I tell my coach and staff, just like I tell my players, you know, we gotta have a next man up mentality. You know, that next guy's gotta be ready. If you stay ready, you ain't gotta get ready. So I think uh it's just been a it's a culture thing and Coach Sampson and his staff have built up such an excellent culture and from what I've seen a player led culture, you know, that allows for, you know, next gotta step up when it's his turn and he gets his opportunity. And that's kind of what's carrying that shit because when you lose two of your top players, it's very easy for the season to go in a downward spiral. But, you know, if you got the guys who are ready and know their roles and, uh, you know, can step up to the occasion, you know, that kind of just, you know, that makes the program runs itself pretty much. So, um, you know, I think that's the top thing that he's really brought to Houston basketball since he got here. It's just installing that culture because, a lot of things aren't done on the court. There are a lot of things that go to – a lot more things that go into, you know, building a program that you don't see on the court. So, just the camaraderie those players have built. Um, Just the way the program has reached back out to alumni, and now they're getting that support. And, you know, it's kind of bringing back a nostalgia of five slam a jamma, man. So, just being able to see uh, Coach stamp build up that culture – uh that's definitely what's you know attracting you know five star recruits and top tier blue chip athletes and even just guys that just want to just get down and play hard man that's what's attracting them to Houston so uh, culture has definitely been the number one thing I think Samson's brought. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent.
2: Yeah, you couldn't we couldn't said it any better ourselves and, and certainly that that not only it's it's always fascinating from an opportunity Outside perspective, where you know, inside of the team, that, that's always a word they use as well. Culture, 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 especially, um, like you mentioned, they've had two key losses in Tremont Mark and Marcus Sasser. I, I wanted to get one more point that, um, post game, the SMU coach Tim Jankovic he actually said something similar along the lines where um, they asked him about the University of Houston men's basketball team. He said yeah, they can do tremendous damage, and I quote, he said they can do tremendous damage. I don't know who in the country wants to play them. They asked him about how tough they can be, and going off his words, he said, "Can they be as tough as last year?" He did. It doesn't know, of course, because they made the final four last year. But he said, "Nobody will want to play Houston in the NCAA tournament." Those are Tim Jankovic's words. Day on right there. Do you, do you agree with with Jankovich in terms of you know it, it, whether it be any of these uh, whatever region they end up being in the NCAA tournament, Houston's gonna be a tough out regardless of who they play.
1: Now, for sure. I, I, I definitely he, – he's on something with that, especially if they get like a four or five seed like it's being projected. I don't think no one wants to see them, especially with their style of play like that, like that culture. That they, they, You know they're going to break it on the defensive end. You know they're going to rebound. And those two things, on any given night, your offense may not go. That's the way basketball goes. Your shots may not fall, but your defense can keep you in it and your are rebounding, you, especially with offense and rebounding, get those second chance opportunities that can keep you in the game. And so – we know they're at least going to be end games. Then we just look at the way this season has went. We look at the way they lost to Wisconsin. Then you see the same moment, same opportunity against Winter Tall State. Then you hear Coach Sampson say, yep, we worked on that. And so it's not going to be any scenario in which they won't face an NCAA tournament. We know they're a short team. They'll have experience playing on short-term's rest. And then they'll have experience whether someone gets in foul trouble or playing through foul trouble. So, They've, they have different experience that will help mold them and have them ready because they have the best coach in the country, in my opinion, Coach Simpson. So I definitely
2: think nobody wants to see them in the tournament. Oh, that's, that's an interesting point you make. There's certainly by the time they get to the NCAA tournament, they're going to be real used to having to play uh, the two, three game stretches in in a short amount of time. Uh, yeah, so as we look towards the future, obviously, of course, they have to turn around. They play Cincinnati on Tuesday, Temple on Thursday, Memphis on Sunday. We mentioned about the importance of that that quad one win that they haven't been able to, to capture this season. When you look at those three games, what are you going to be looking forward to on the men's side, especially um, Tuesday against Cincinnati?
1: Uh, I'm going to be looking at um, just their offensive cohesion, and I, I just love on a game-to-game basis. And that was another thing that stuck out to me um Will LeGrand, what he said, not only isn't the culture, but it's a player-driven culture. I think it's a knock. or You hear people might, might not think that Coach Simpson empowers his players, especially on the basketball court, and lets them cook. And that's one thing he does. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be J-1. If he has it going, he's on the court. It could be Ramon. If he has yeah. it going, he's on the court. And so when you empower your players like that, they know when their time is called, if they have it going, they're going to play and so, with that being said, at any given moment, I think the, the team is going to be ready and anybody can beat you. Jamal Shed, I mean, he, he's going to probably develop – not probably. He's going to develop and be the best point guard in, in the conference, and especially when they move into the Big 12. He'll still be there most likely when they do that. He's going to be an outstanding player. And I, and I think he can be – um, the best point guard in the in the nation. At some point he has to keep developing his game, especially his, be more of a consistent outside shooter, but his his toughness that dog in him, whether it's getting inside, defending uh, he he really got
2: what it takes. Mm-hmm. And, and as we, we look at uh, to put a final ball into this game against SMU, the Mustangs did a lot of things defensively, especially early on with, with just straight up guarding UH man uh, didn't go well for SMU. They saw uh, a little bit of everything. They saw full court pressure. They saw one three one. They saw 2-3. And for the most part, Houston did a great job of being able to handle it and find a weakness in whatever SMU was doing. Now, that's something we've seen since they lost to SMU and especially something that Memphis did really well uh, when they came to Fertitta Center and, and beat Houston, was that full court trap to trying to, to force Houston to, to commit turnovers? Uh, did you do? You, have you seen that improvement overall since uh, since those two losses at, at SMU against Memphis in terms of how Houston is able to handle these different types of defenses that teams have thrown their way? Like you mentioned, Jamal Shedd is a, a big factor in that, and just being a calming presence. And really, like we mentioned, he's kind of been he's kind of the, the coach on the floor because from watching today's game, Kelvin Calvin Sampson, he, he's the floor general. He's in a, he's the general, he's in a call it but Jamal Shedd is the floor general where he settles everything down once they cross half court. They never it never seems like Houston's in a rush offensively. At least from my perspective against SMU this this was what they were able to do and be able to figure out SMU's weakness, whatever in whatever defense they were playing it.
1: Yep, yep. I mean I, I agree with you. I think he definitely is that job of course but not only not only that, I think Kyler, when Kyler brings them, like Jamal doesn't have to have a high ball rate with him being on the ball. And and I think that's an addition with Kyler that's very important because he can play that point guard spot and he can handle it and allow Jamal to kind of rest some while on the court or on the bench give him some break with being on the ball especially in the pick and roll. Kyler Edwards a lot of times make great decisions in the pick and roll, not only his ability to shoot, but he also just reads the defense. They gonna go under the screen, he's pulling up. If they're too aggressive, he he drives and creates for the big. And He's a very good and willing passer. But, man, I think the X factor is going to be Tajay Moore. Tajay mm-hmm. Moore – I mean, he's already shown ability. He got that clutch gene. He's hit big shots in this season, but they're gonna need him to be more consistent on the offensive end, whether it be knocking down threes or or just be just bringing it on the offensive end. Defensively, he's a, he's that like that junkyard dog. Reminds me like a Drill Wallace. I don't know if you probably remember Drill Wallace in the <laughs> NBA, but yeah. he he's very athletic guard. It's tough to defend. He's gonna rebound, but he just got to be consistent on the offensive end. But overall, man the team is going to be ready to play. They're going to be ready to fight, and they can beat you in any way. If it's high scoring, they can score with you. If it's a tough inside the paint, the depth in the paint with Fabian, Josh, and then you got Reggie and Jay Wan, that's huge for Houston because we know they're limited on guards, but they can keep their post players fresh, and what that does allow them to keep their back of the line fresh for the ability to, just to protect the paint and right? protect the rim. And so um, that. There's just a lot of different factors that you know go into it making a long tournament run. But this team has all it takes, especially like we said, if it's a possibility they could get Marcus back. If they get him back, man, uh, this team is going to be really, really scary.
2: For sure, and I'd like to reiterate. So far, here's it, it, hearsay, small chance, but yeah, uh, what we what we what we have seen uh, in this, during the pregame warmups, Marcus has no longer on that walking boot, which is. Certainly positive news. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, point you mentioned earlier day on about Calvin Sampson. He always seems to ride the hot hand. He knows how to. He knows how to make adjustments. I remember in, in a game last week in that crazy double overtime game against Wichita State. On post game, Calvin Sampson talked about. Uh, he he didn't like what he had seen from Reggie Cheney, so he put J.J. Roberts in there. He left them in there just to he felt it would be a better matchup for them. And lo and behold, uh, not only on, on the defense did it work out for them, but J.J. Roberts ended up getting the, the go-ahead basket that ultimately won the game against Wichita State. So yeah, Calvin Sampson certainly does a great job of being able to just go off instant and, and coach on the fly, which is something that it's yeah. a hard skill to master. And, and he's mastered it to perfection. He, he's been through it all he knows. Uh, where to put his players in the best position to be able to go make plays because at the end of the day that's that's the coach's job to put players in positions where they can excel. He does this that often.
1: He says, "I mean, basketball it isn't it isn't hard. If you watch the game, it'll tell you what to do." And that is, in my opinion, what what makes him even more of a great coach because I've seen a lot of teams and they don't do that. They have their core players who are so stuck with putting them on the court, but. I mean, he, he he trusts his players and that goes back to the point a while ago that, that empowering your players and when you do that and, and they know that whether it's their time, they're going to play even extra harder when their number's called.
2: Oh, Dan, you, you cut off a little bit.
1: Yeah, my Yeah, I said they're going to play even harder when their number is called. And so, I mean, this team is going to be scary, but in these last games, I think they got to take it one game at a time. I can't wait to see that Memphis game. I know they're going to have have that same intensity that they had today, but it's going to be on the road, and you know, Kellen Sampson always tweets out all oh, road games, games are street, street fights. fights. Yeah. yeah. So, that one's really, really going to be a street fight, man. I, I can't wait to see that, especially with the way that Memphis was playing, man. I mean, we got to give a huge shout-out. Just an entire conference at that. I mean, I think they said SMU is on a bubble. How are they not a, a tournament team? I've watched them plenty of times this season. That looks like an NCAA tournament team. Uh, Penny Hardaway, he got criticism early in which I – I backed him because I watched the games. And so I've seen mm-hmm. – I know that he could coach it. Then That press conference, everybody was talking. And then you got to give him credit. Everything he said in that press conference ended up being right. true. And so you didn't see those same tweets. Well, Penny was right. Everybody just kind of tucked their tail. So this, <laughs> this entire conference, I think, doesn't get enough credit, in which they don't. But you got to give credit to Houston because they still dominate in this conference. And so – Man, I, I just can't wait to see what this future holds, and I can't wait to see that matchup in Memphis. I, I think I, I'm gonna go out on a limb. I think the Hugh, the Cougs, are gotta go out there. I'm gonna say they're gonna at least win by ten points on the road oh. in Memphis.
2: That 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 would be one heck of a At least ten. Wow, and and to again to mention the point, they haven't been able to get quad one wins yet. That would be one statement to go up to Memphis and be able to beat them by double digits. Now that also factor that'll be the fourth game in eight day in an eight day stretch, which would make it even more impressive. Uh, but real quickly before we, we kind of wrap it up, which we're seeing more people trickle in. So if you have uh, if you guys want to have any post game reaction either to to this game against SMU or going forward, uh, next game will be Tuesday eight o'clock tip off. Uh, It's going to be a little later later than usual inside the Pertitta Center against Cincinnati before they finish the season. They finish uh, the final home game on Thursday against Temple. And then, of course, like Deion said, the final game of the regular season next Sunday at Memphis – uh we're going to take this opportunity to to play ourselves down I, I guess i'll go first if you guys are listening thank you for for joining especially those that have you know stayed through for the entire uh, thing or you know of course we had coach speak and if you want to speak now feel free to request we'll give you this time uh please feel free to follow me on twitter at ayan is underscore five also our official uh at pod slam podcast that's at p-a-w-d S L A M A J A M A at Pod Slamajama on Twitter. We we tried something different, uh, a bit of a live show. And for those that that haven't been able to tune in, we'll be sure to put it up in our uh, podcast file, whether it be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Be sure to follow us there. Down, I'll give you the time. You go ahead, plug yourself, now. Yeah, like Andy just said.
1: Uh, first and foremost, follow our Pod Slamajama, our podcast account for. All episodes, up to date episodes in previous episodes. We had numerous of guests from Coach Keller Samson, we had Coach Quanis White, we had Coach Huey, Coach Ty from the women's. And so we try to cover all aspects um, of Houston sports. Also, follow me at Dayon Dunlap. I also was the color commentator for all the women's home games throughout this season, in which um, their home season just concluded um, yesterday and they win against SMU. And so also be sure to follow the official Apollo media account. That's Apollo H-O-U um, for blogs, merch
2: in Houston. Sports not found anywhere else. You know, as always, man, go Cougs. Yeah, for sure. And uh, feel free to share. Uh, we want to give you guys a platform, especially once we get into conference tournament, the NCAA tournament. This is going to be a space for y'all because you, you know, this this is a cool thing where for for University of Houston fans, our followers of the program, they don't get to see this with with other local radio. They don't get an opportunity to to talk about yep. the game, uh, especially instant breakdown. So we're trying to give that platform to you guys. The technology is there, so be sure to give us a follow. Uh, one final thing you mentioned, Memphis. You you think that Houston can go up there and beat them by ten? And I think that would be one heck of an accomplishment. I think certainly Houston's going to be a lot more motivated. It was one of the comments that Kelvin said post game where um, when Memphis came here to Purtyda Center, they were more motivated. They they had they had a lot of returning players that were part of the team when they lost at the buzzer at the end of last season. Tremont Marks buzzer beat beater from half court, and then again in the conference tournament. Uh, maybe now that Houston has a – they were kind of uh, punched in the face a little bit with that loss of Memphis. Now, uh, overall, as a team, Houston, especially with the younger players that were here last year, they have that experience too. I certainly think that's going to be a factor. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a factor. You know Memphis is going to come in hungry
1: because they still – on the bud, they they don't know for the sure bubble. they're going to get it. Yeah, on the <laughs> bubble, they still don't know for sure if they're going to get in the tournament. So, that's another opportunity for them to get a quad win against a team that's locked in for the NCAA tournament. So, that's going to be a huge game, man. And
2: I can't wait. And that's going to do it for this space. So, once again, thank you, all of you guys that joined and listened in, especially those that tuned in for the entire. Uh, duration of the space we greatly appreciate it and once again share us as a platform for you guys to be able to talk about the game post game reaction so we appreciate everything that, that you guys were able to tune in